and raising kids who show their kindness and give their kindness freely to those around them, that will change the world. Hi, this is Liz Weaver, and you are listening to the Learning Success Podcast, an information-packed podcast with the latest news, information, and tips to help you overcome a learning difficulty. For anyone suffering from a reading difficulty, writing difficulty, a math difficulty, a focus problem, dyslexia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia, or ADHD, this is the place for you. The Learning Success Podcast is brought to you by LearningSuccessSystem.com. Hello, and welcome to the Smart Child Bad Grades podcast, a podcast by Learning Success, where we help you with tips on how to embrace your child's brilliance and uh, reach so they can reach their full potential. Today, I am here with Nicole Black. Nicole Black is a recovering elementary school teacher, and she runs the, uh, the website coffee and carpool where she has lots of parenting tips she teaches how to raise kind kids and mom hacks um anti-bullying and lots of other great stuff so welcome nicole thank you thank you for having me oh it's great to have you at um nicole has participated with other projects with us and um this is our first live live time so um this is exciting yes I'm all right excited. yeah ready to dig in Right, right. So um, Nicole today is going to talk to us mainly about um, raising kind kids, mm-hmm. um, but I would like to actually go ask a couple of other questions from things that you talk about in your blog. Sure. Um, so one thing that um, I can tell from that you are very much into school readiness. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'd like to, how do you, so I'm assuming you're doing like a lot of um, really fun, maybe non-academic things with the kids just to get their brains uh, active. Is that, is that, can you talk to about us about Absolutely. that? So my kids are now all school age. So I have a seventh grader, a fourth grader, and a second grader. So they have been in school for quite a while. Um, and you can take the teacher out of the classroom, but I'm still a teacher at heart. And so every summer we really focus on avoiding the summer slide, and we do academic projects at home. We do a ton of reading. There are books in every room. I used to joke, literally, the car, the bathroom, the kitchen, we keep books everywhere. So they see us reading, they're reading, we're constantly just being surrounded by fantastic literature. And then a lot of play-based learning. My youngest daughter went to this, the most incredible preschool where it was all outdoor education for the first half of every single day, no matter what the weather, unless it was below freezing or lightning coming down, they were outside. And so we've continued that here. And so she has a mud kitchen that she just goes out and plays and creates. And now she's coming in the kitchen and cooking with me and cooking for us. And it's connecting, just learning in really hands-on fun ways that are meaningful to the kids. That's fantastic. There's actually studies about outdoors learning that, and then showing uh, some, a lot of that it, it may spur on neuroplasticity, a lot of brain growth. And that's so, that is, uh, that's fantastic. It was fun. She came home covered in mud, head to toe, every single day. Yeah. It was worth it. It was incredible. Definitely. I'm, I'm a, a country boy at heart. We raised a, we were raised in the country and in mud and yes. cow, cow pies and <laughs> the, whole, the whole work. So, um, so how about um, like the, 
things that would be distractive to the kids that some parents would use a lot just to, to occupy them, like electronics. Um, do you limit electronics, electronics and keep them more active in, in things? Or how do you deal with that? You know, I, I obviously, I try to, we all try to, but real life sneaks in and screens have a place in our, in our lives and they're very, mm -hmm. so we do allow screen time here. I try not to put a strict limit on it because sometimes things happen. I work from home. I need some flexibility. Sometimes I'm on an interview and they're home from school and that it just happens. So we try to keep them as active as possible, as busy as possible, but also give them board time. Um, I have found that when we take away screens, in the afternoons, they're, they get upset for a little bit and they're constantly, I'm bored, I don't know what to do. And they're kind of, they end up being a little bit more bickering towards each other. And then it settles in and they find something to do and they either go their separate ways or they come together as the threesome. Last night they came up with this game that involved darts and a map of the United States. And we just went with that. We're like, okay, great. Um, we sent them on a walk with our dog with some walkie talkies around our neighborhood. So. Um, we try to limit the screens, but screens are a normal part of what we kind of have. And since my kids are older and we can use learning apps and we can, they can, um, my son is really into words with friends now and it's helping his spelling skills. So we're able to use them, but we do try to limit them. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting that they, uh, they get irritable when, when moving. I mean, that, that's pretty obvious when you think about it because they're, they're such a, easy entertainment for the brain and you take that away and that there's yeah. a there's like always a little buffer of like i know it's going to get worse and then it'll get better and then yeah. they can go find something they draw or they're creating or they're playing soccer in the backyard or exploring somewhere so right very interesting yeah in today's world it's difficult for parents because they do need both it is definitely part of our world and grow and more so every day yes. but you can't get it if, if they take them away from the physical activities, the body activities and all of that, it, you can run into trouble. Yes. So, absolutely. good. So um, I, you, on your website, you say, those of us who have kiddos with special needs also have those who don't. And that's an interesting statement because I know a lot of times when there is one child that is taking all of the attention that the others can, can suffer for that. Um, and so you obviously recognize that and deal with that. So can you, can you speak to that? Yes. So my eldest daughter has a rare genetic condition. She has an invisible disability, if you will. It's called aniridia. She doesn't have irises, the colored part of our eye. Mm -hmm. And then that comes other um, just issues in life. So she has low vision. She has poor depth perception. Um, she can't see far distances. Depending on the day and how tired she is, she can be classified as legally blind. Um, and then my middle guy has severe food allergies. So actually I struggle even more as that as being a special need because his is much more life-threatening than hers is. And so then my youngest daughter is my healthiest kid. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't have, we just, I literally was at the pediatrician yesterday and her part of the appointment took maybe 10 minutes. Doctor's like, do you have any worries? I'm like, no, we don't. And she came home, she's like, how come you spent so much time talking about her brother? I said, well, we had other things that we needed to talk about. So. It's part of it, it's part of the game, and they're sensitive to it, and it helps them understand that everybody's different. It, I think kids who are raised with siblings with special needs have this incredible empathy, and they understand bigger picture things, and they have a bigger capacity for love, um, loving everybody and everything just as it is. 
but there's some negatives there's some negatives to it and so we try to really spend quality time with each child and pour into them and love them using their love language um, so that we're really connecting almost as like a proof of love activity so we're proving our love it's obviously we all love our kids but when we take the time to prove it to them it they know it in a much deeper way and it alleviates sibling jealousy and rivalries um, it builds a stronger family identity and I wholeheartedly believe it actually sets them up to want to be kinder to everyone else around them. I see. So you're proving it to mainly through individual attention. Through yes. Well, whatever each child needs. So my eldest needs quality time. My youngest needs physical touch. My son is physical. He will constantly just be wanting to hug and touch. So I give that to them. I, I lay down next to them. I stop what I'm doing and just lay. The other day, my daughter was on the couch and... We had a rough day and I knew it. And I just came and I just like wrapped myself around her. I didn't say anything. I just put my arms around her. And she looked at me and she said, I love you too, mama. And I didn't say I love you. She just felt it. But if I had done that to my oldest daughter, she would have been like, oh, you're on me. That You're heavy. Get off of me. <laughs> Quality time. Like the, the touch is not her jam. So I could have, knowing, knowing what your kids need, is really powerful because then you can give them exactly what they need when they need it. Right. Yeah. You said the their love languages. Is that is that from the book? The the five. Yeah. Languages? So I think it's Gary Chapman. He has the five mm -hmm. love languages. He has quizzes online. They're free, so you can figure out what your your love languages, what your kids are, and then you can give them basically what they're needing to prove to prove how much you love them. So right. I think it's really powerful stuff. That is powerful. So you did that with your kids. Honestly, I figured it out. I didn't even use the quizzes for them. Um, I read, I listened to a podcast that he was doing. And mm -hmm. he said basically, children, and adults too, but children show love how they want to get it. So my youngest always touching me and pulling on me and hugging me. And I have like, we talk about body space issues all the time with her. She just wants to be touched. So yeah. I give that to her. That is not my love language. I do not <laughs> Um, it's my husband's love language, so I have to like remind myself, okay, he wants a hug right now. I should give him a hug. I don't need as many hugs to get through my day. So <laughs> my daughter, my eldest daughter, though, wants quality time. So then, and that's more my love language, and I get that. So I set aside time for lunch dates or tucking her in at bedtime, just the two of us, or just closing the door and having a conversation, just the two of us. So, um because the touch wouldn't do anything for her. A hug or holding her hand or squeezing her hand, that wouldn't communicate the same way that the quality time would for her. Hmm, interesting. Good. So this, this is a little bit off subject, but you mentioned your daughter has no depth. No depth perception or limited depth perception? Limited depth perception, yeah. Okay, so you might notice I'm my one of my eyes is not quite right. I've got uh, lost an eye, the vision of my eye at 19. Okay. And um, of course, lost depth perception. Yes. I have depth perception now. That's fantastic. Yes. And it was ama it's an amazing, it's kind of a long story of, of, of how it came about, but I figured out that my brain actually uses, instead of using um, parallax like most humans do, um, it uses uh, just the movement in the background. So the mm -hmm. different um, perspective. Okay. Perspective everything at a different distance has a different perspective. So probably what's happened is my right occipital lobe, because I've lost my sight in my left eye, didn't have any use, so it remapped to process perception, per perspective more. So 
it's just, you know, I find these, these things about the human brain are just the brain's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Just yeah. mind blowing. And I, you know, I didn't, it's not like I trained my brain to do that. It no. did it. Yeah. And it, it took me like, I don't know how long to figure out how am I doing this? How do I now have, cause I do Kung Fu. So right. um, it's, there's a need for depth of perception. <laughs> So anyway, so I just thought I'd mention that since it's super interesting. It's a, yeah. the brain is an amazing thing. It totally is. Totally is. Okay. So, um, bullying, you have a really great definition of bullying. Can you? Oh yes. Well, bullying, I haven't looked at it in a while. I, I had to step away from some of the bullying things I was writing because it was getting emotionally um, kind of hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't, I honestly, I haven't pulled up that definition in a while, but my daughter, because of her vision, was heavily bullied. Um, she was targeted because of that, but also she just kind of marches to the beat of her own drummer. And kids who mm. are different or who are perceived as different, it doesn't even have to be that they're different, perceived as different, they can often be the target. So kids are mean and unkind and they're usually thoughtless because they're egocentric. And so parents struggle with, um, and teachers too, with the definition of bullying. So they think that anytime a kid is unkind, oh, they're bullying, that, that's a bully. Not necessarily. So sometimes kids just are mean. So bullying, when we know the true definition, then we can really um, help the situation and know when to step in and when to give support to, to our kids, when to, you know, mama bear it and escalate it quickly. So bullying is repetitive. It's, um, it's an imbalance of power, either perceived power or so like somebody's older or uh, younger, taller, bigger, more of a group, less of a group or a social construct. So if they have social clout and this one is, you know, doesn't fit in, um, it's repetitive. And then you've asked them to stop and it continues. So bullies tend to be manipulative and sneaky and they're very, usually very, very smart because they can do it right in front of an adult often. And the adult, unless they know exactly what to look for, they miss it. And there's four different kinds of bullying. So it's not just the typical one that we think of the physical bullying, stealing of the milk money that we see like, you know, on um, TVs or movies, it's their social emotional bullying or relational bullying. Um, there's mental bullying. And then there's of course, cyber bullying now, which is awful. Right. So all of them do damage. I think the emotional bullying, the relational bullying tends to do the most damage, if you can believe it, because those leave the scars the longest. Um, so there are ways to bully proof our kids because they're gonna I think there's some crazy statistic that like 90% of us in the world will either be bullied, be a bullier, or be a bystander, witness bullying. And right. that's true for me, and it's definitely true for my kids. So. Yeah. And there's better, better ways to act in all three parts. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, we've dealt with bullying a lot, teaching martial arts. I mean, that's just one mm-hmm. of our main things that we do. And um, the bullies, the one thing that you did mention on the website that really struck me is, is it has to have intent, right? If, because it, it can be that mistaken if they're just, they're not understanding the social norms, mm-hmm. or whatever. And especially we had a lot of Asperger's kids mm-hmm. and that, and they, and they're not really quick to understand that. But once they do, and then they realize, oh, this is mean. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. If you, if you tell a child, stop this hurts my feelings, don't do this, or this is hurting me, don't do this, no, and they continue it, then you're getting into bullying behaviors. But a lot of kids, again, they unintentionally hurt people's feelings. They don't think their egos, their, you know, their little egocentric brains, they're not developed yet to figure out that yep. what they're saying is yep. hurtful. And so 
or they say things, they blurt things out without thinking things through, they're not mindful of other people's feelings, it can happen. But if you tell a child, that's hurtful, don't do that again, and they continue it, now you're getting into bullying behaviors. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and you mentioned how intelligent and manipulative somebody has been a bully for some time can be. Yeah. Um, the sad thing is, is that, and it's not an excuse by any stretch of it, but it is an explanation. Almost every single bully has been bullied. Yep. So if you look around, one of my daughter's main, oh, this child, he was so mean to her. And I watched at a school-wide event, he was in the corner and his father was in his face, pointing at him, yeah. berating him for not getting a good enough grade on the school project in front of everyone. I'm like, well, yeah. that, it's that, there you go, that explains it. it. And I felt sorry for that child in that moment because he was the victim of bullying. And then he passed that on, to learned behavior, he passed it on to the daughter totally learned behavior absolutely they're getting it from somewhere yeah we used to actually because we would have a classroom of you know 40 50 kids in, in our kung fu school and we had a 60 foot mirror the whole length of the school and we would actually have to turn our back to the bully and watch the mirror out of the corner of our eye because we knew it was going on but we couldn't catch we couldn't catch them yeah. they were so sneaky they are it's oh. a shame. yeah 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 it's a but, uh, but we didn't we only we had Almost uh, maybe in our entire 20 years, there were like two that we didn't turn around. So, so well, here's the thing. I mean, from my experience, is that you know I focus on kindness. I believe that raising my kids to be kind is essential to their overall happiness, their well-being, their success in life. Yes. It will make the world a better place. But not everybody shares that value with me. So there's more. I know that there's way more of us <laughs> than there aren't. But there are a lot of families who don't focus on kindness for a myriad of reasons. Their, their basic needs aren't being met or they're like a, you know, they're in survival mode. That fight or flight has kicked in because they don't know where their next meal is coming from or they feel like they need to protect themselves. They're living in a tougher neighborhood. They don't feel loved from somewhere else. So there's lots of reasons why people aren't. And then it, turn, it can easily morph into this behavior. Mm-hmm. So, Unkind kids are kind of, they walk amongst us because unkind adults walk amongst us, you know, in life, so. Right. Do you have a smart child who is struggling in school? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Do you feel like the struggle is holding your child back from their true potential? Maybe the anxiety and worry over your child's future just beats you down every day. You don't have to live that way. Learn how to stop a learning disability from becoming a life disability. A child with a learning disability is stressful for the child and the parent. The disability may be eroding their confidence and shattering their self-esteem. Other people may perceive your child as unintelligent and antisocial. If not addressed and fixed early, the child may develop permanent challenges later in life when looking for a good job or meeting a potential spouse. Our current school system does not know how to properly help our children, but at Learning Success, we do. We've created a system you can easily do at home with your child, and with just 15 minutes per day after school with your child, you can save them from a life of struggle and heartbreak. Learn how to unleash your child's potential and embrace their true intelligence. 
As a special gift for being a loyal podcast listener, we're going to give you a free trial of the Learning Success System. Try it out absolutely free for 15 days. If it is not the perfect fit to help your child succeed in school and in life, just cancel before the trial ends and pay nothing. You even get to keep the free bonuses. Go to www.learningsuccesssystem.com forward slash podcast to get your free trial now. You'll be so happy you did once you see the great grades your child is capable of getting. Imagine being so proud of your child when they bring home a great report card and hand it over with a beaming smile. Get your free trial now at www.learningsuccesssystem.com forward slash podcast. You've got nothing to lose except the stress and anxiety that is holding you and your child down. I'll see you there. Uh, how did you grow up? Did you grow up in a kind I family? Did. I you did. I had incredible. Okay. I have. There. I'm not speaking past tense. I have incredible parents. They live 30 minutes from me. I have. I'm the oldest. I have a younger sister and a younger brother, and we're all still super close. We live within an hour of each other. We see each other often. Um, I had great models. My mom was my Girl Scout leader. The value of being honest and integrity and being kind to others and being a helper in life, just helping people when you can was instilled in me from a very young age. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Very good. Yeah. I'm married. I'm, I'm a Girl Scout, a lifer. It's part of who we are. I'm married an Eagle Scout. Like it's just, it's, it's who, it's who I am and who I surround myself with. Absolutely. Very good. Yeah. Okay. So um, what is kindness? How, should, how do you define it? You know, that's um, super tricky, I think, because we say be kind and we don't ever then explain it. So I think kindness is a lot of things. Kindness is being, I think kindness is going out of your way and helping somebody else make their day a little bit better, make their day a little bit easier, preferably both. It's including other people. It's turning around behind you and not slamming the door in someone's face on accident. It's being mindful of people around you, knowing that you're not the only one. So switching to the right so people can pass you, your manners. It's, um, you know, it's, it's not expecting anything in return for your kindness. So we sometimes confuse kindness with niceness. That's and good. We use them interchangeably in our society. And I think they're very different. So nice people, you know, that's great. But that's not, for me, that's not my goal. So nice people tend to, they're trying to get something for it. They're trying, they're kind to the CEO, but not the janitor. So that's mm-hmm. nice. Kind people are kind no matter what. It's not conditional on who's watching. It's not conditional on what they're going to get in return or if they're going to um, get something out of it. They're doing it out of the goodness of their heart. It feels good just because they can. Um, it, it lifts people up because you actually like people. Kind people like people, and they want to help and make the world a better place, even if it's just for a second, even if it's just for that one person. So that's my definition of it. So the div- basically, the difference is you're, you're putting out it out there with no expectations of no any return. It's not conditional. I'm going to be kind because I've chosen to be kind. In my house, we, we talk about kindness is not an option. Like, you're just going to be kind. But kindness is, in, in life, it's a choice. And if you're choosing to be kind all the time, then you're kind. There are days when I don't feel like being kind, but I'm also not going to then be mean. I don't retaliate towards people that hurt me or wrong me. 
I can walk away and protect myself emotionally without being mean. But I have chosen to be kind because that's, that's what makes me feel good about myself. That's a value that I have chosen. Nice people tend to do it when it's convenient or if they think they can maybe get something out of it. It's more like the Eddie Haskells of the world. So do you remember Leave It to Beaver where yep. he was so nice to the adults and then as soon as the adults were gone, like that persona was kind of gone. So nice people aren't always as manipulative as that, but sometimes there's just an edge. Well, if I, if I leave a bigger tip, my boss will see it. Okay, that's nice. You're leaving a good tip. That's a good thing for the, for the server. But if you did it for no other reason than to leave a good tip because they were a great server and you know it's going to help their day or they mentioned that they had, you were talking, they mentioned they had bills, you do it just because you know it's going to be amazing. You don't do it for the recognition. That's on the kindness side. Does that make sense? It's the same it, action, but the motivation is different. It, it makes a lot of sense, and it, and it goes right into something that you know I teach my students that you are a certain attribute because you do that thing. Mm -hmm. yes. You don't do that thing because you're that attribute. Yes. Yes. And, what, and what that's saying is that one of the things interesting that I think that happens when you act in the way that you're describing is that you are telling your subconscious mind what type of a person you are. <laughs> when you do something without any um, expectation mm -hmm. of return, mm -hmm. then it's got to be telling a, a, um, your subconscious mind that, that, that you know what other reasoning can it can it give right I think it, it's got a, its own little brain back there yeah um, I've heard quite a number of um, you know an example uh, I've heard of a lot of really wealthy people say that they became wealthy after they started giving away wealth yes. in ways that could not be perceived that nobody would know anonymously right. um, not not for a return so and you can do that yeah. with of course any attribute right yes there's tons of stories like that that are so great so don't wait to be wealthy to give what you have if you have mm -hmm. no, you give away a nickel so absolutely generosity being giving out to those who are less fortunate because there's always going to be somebody who is less fortunate than you so giving yes. what you can when you can as often as you can before you feel like you can it's amazing and there's so many stories of people who gave away their last five dollars i think tony robbins has a story like this they gave away their last five dollars and then the next second something happened that changed their life yes <laughs> yes yeah there, there are a lot of stories like yeah. that it's fantastic yeah. yeah um and how do you instill these these uh, values in your kids how do you make sure that they understand that it's the the way to be yeah so one thing that we've done from the very beginning from when they were very young is we only have two family rules that's it. We don't have a long list. And I'm a rule follower. I try to run a, you know, a respectful home where they're, they're respected. I'm respected. It's positive parenting techniques. We listen to them. We hear them. We're not authoritative in that way. Um, but we have two rules. One of them is to listen the first time. So if I ask you to do something, you do it. And that takes care of most safety things and just life things. But the other one is be kind. It is one of our only two family rules. And when we talk about our family rules, and we talk about them almost every single day, as they're getting out of, out of my car, as, they're going, as I'm dropping them off to a play date, as they're breaking a rule, we talk about it. Who broke a family rule? What are our two family rules? First time listening, be kind. And so when we put that much emphasis on it, we're showing them that we value it. That's one of the simple ways. We keep it simple, too, because then it's easy to remember. My toddlers knew it. They had it memorized. They knew. Really? Be a first-time listener and be kind. 
and we talk about it when they are following the rules. You are following our family rules. I appreciate that. That was a really kind thing to do. So we are relentlessly consistent about it. I let a lot of things slide because you have to pick your battles as a parent. Kindness is one I choose to pick every single time. I call them out on um, even the smallest of things because the small things, the sarcasm, the little digs, the, the, the mean little kickbacks, those add up to create a family environment that is negative and just feels unsafe and feels not welcoming. And so I focus on that. Even the small little moments, I focus on those. And those are the battles that I pick. I leave the socks on the floor, and we, we'll get to those later. But I, I focus on the kindness. Right, so when you talk about it often, they know that I value it. So you're constantly doing positive reinforcement. You're ca yes. catching them in the act of... Both. So we praise all the time. So we there's two ways to praise, I think, um, kindness. You can praise the behavior. Wow, that was a really kind thing to do. Um, that's incredible. Or you can praise the child. So you are kind. I try not to label kids with those kinds of things, but with kindness, I do it. You are a kind kid. You are a kind boy. You are just so kind. If they keep hearing it, they will believe it. It will become part of their inner voice. So we um, are constantly praising. And then we can, we can lean them back from it because, again, we want their kindness to be unconditional. We don't want them to expect the praise. But for our young kids, for kids who are really struggling, we dump the praise on heavy because then, one, it increases the likelihood that they'll want to keep doing it. You repeat behaviors that get the most attention. Yes. So we keep putting the praise on, and then we can wean them back from it. We can walk back from it, and I can just wink at my son when I see him do something kind, or I, like we do a lot of I love you signs, so I can flash in the I love you sign. Like, I saw you, I saw that kindness, that's amazing, but I don't have to then say it every single time. And then if the, the unkindness kind of kicks back in, my kids kind of go in waves during the summer when they're home together, Bickering started, I had to then start dumping the praise back on again when I saw even the smallest acts of kindness. Because then it reminded them, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. This is how we do it. Right, right. Yeah, what's that? In that type of training, in, in the dog world, they call it clicker training. But it yeah. works fantastic with humans, too. And I do it all the time myself. Um, so, yeah, they've, I've got certain things that I do when my students do really well, you know, and I'll, I'll clap my hands and jump up and down and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And it's, it's funny that I ask them, I've asked them, like, what do I do when you do something well? And they don't know. It's so, just, they just see it all the time. They're like, I don't know. You don't do anything. Yeah. Like, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and you said praise. So you praise the behavior and praise the child. Um, that brought me to think about, like, all the growth mindset stuff. We're mm -hmm. talking about praising the child about being smart. It can mm -hmm. actually be really yes. detrimental, but it works for kindness, though. I, I've, when the growth mindset thing started becoming a, um, you know, a hot topic issue and I love it and it's amazing. Yeah. We worked hard on that. So focusing on the, the, um, the process, oh, I'm sorry, my dog is barking. I'm focusing on the process, focusing on, um, you know, how they felt about doing it, how hard they worked, their effort. I think that's incredible. With kindness, because we want to, this is something we definitely want to keep going with. I think you can praise both. You can I always ask them, how does this make you feel? Did it, how, did it feel good to be kind? And we talk about that and we pause it so we can connect the emotion of what they're feeling to their action. And because scientifically they've shown that your body releases dopamine when you do something that's kind to someone else, when you give to someone else, whether it's a kind word, a smile, helping someone, 
you release dopamine. So connecting that moment when it feels really good and you feel happy to being kind, it then reminds them to do it more often. So I don't mind using the label kind and labeling a child, wow, you're a really kind kid, because it mm-hmm. keeps it going. I see where the smart becomes detrimental. And so we've about, I don't know, three, four years ago, we stopped using that label. But I, I keep the kind dislabel. <laughs> yeah, it makes perfect sense. It's brilliant. I, I really like that. And so, um, yeah, you mentioned the dopamine hit. And so that has to be immediate. Yes. Correct? You can. Yeah. So when I see my kids being kind, I can say, oh my gosh, how did that feel? Mm-hmm. Or kids who have less emotional intelligence or who are struggling a little bit, um, or maybe I can't connect the two, I can say to them, you must feel really proud of yourself. I, giving them the emotion at that moment. You, do you feel happy? Do you feel proud of yourself you can ask them you can tell them or you can give them no prompts and say how do you feel right now and they feel they'll come up with usually the word good i feel good great yes let's keep doing that it feels good to be good it feels good to give goodness to the world so you're actually teaching emotional because you're you're getting them to go inside and, and yeah. seek how does that feel yes kindness is all it's all connected right so connecting their emotional intelligence it actually increases their buy-in for wanting to be kind more often because sure. if we can realize that when we're kind, it feels good, and we all want to feel good more often, I think that's mm-hmm. natural just brain chemistry in us, then it increases them to be kind more often because they'll get that reaction. That's one of the many reasons why kids, we teach kids to be kind, because it feels good. It just it lifts you up. It improves their life and their day just for a second or for bigger, depending, but it makes you feel good. Right, right. Well, dopamine is highly addictive, and that's a, that's a good thing. So, um, yes, use it to our advantage, right? <laughs> yes, use it, right? <laughs> very, very yeah. awesome, awesome. Okay, so um, when they're not intentionally being mean, but they don't understand, how do you deal with it? Yeah. Um, so we have a poster hanging in our. We have it in our kitchen. We have it in our upstairs in our hallway because that's between their two rooms, and it says "think." And so it stands, I did not create it. I've redone it so that it fits for us. And I have a copy of it on my website, but it spells out and it says, before you speak, and oftentimes with our kids, it's after you speak, we evaluate what they said. I said, I need you to think, was that true? And this works for my second grader. It works for my tween. She said, yeah, it was true. I'm like, okay, it was true. She said something mean about her sister. Or your singing is bad. Was it true? She's like, yeah, it was true. I'm like, okay, it might've been true. The H in think is helpful. Was it helpful? Is it helpful to tell her that her singing is bad? She's like, well, maybe it was helpful because then she won't sing bad again. I'm like, okay. So then we go down to the I. (laughs) Is it it inspiring? She's like, no, that's not inspiring. I'm like, yeah, it probably made her feel kind of crummy. Or because it's my older daughter and she has more emotional intelligence, I'll ask her, how do you think that made her feel? How would you feel if someone said that your singing was bad? So we walk. I walk them through it. And then N, is it necessary? Is it necessary to tell her that her singing is bad? No. If we don't have something kind to say, then we can just keep our mouth shut. We can ask her to stop maybe, or we can leave the room. And then the K is, is it kind? No, it's not kind. We don't, it's not kind to put our judgment on other people's singing. She won't sing anymore in front of us. So I walk them through. And again, this is one of those things like, when do you pick your battles? With this stuff, I pick them every single time. If I hear unkindness, I pause and I walk my kids through this. I want them to take the time to realize that they were either being hurtful on accident, a lot of the times it's unintentional, or hurtful kind of on purpose, just they were kind of just 
pushing each other's buttons, trying to get that last little dig in. And walking them through the think model has really helped my kids be mindful of other people's feelings, put themselves in other people's shoes. And again, this is really, really hard because our kids, their little brains, they're still so egocentric. It's, it's not their fault, but we can teach them to think of other people and how other people might be feeling. Right. Does that process eventually become somewhat automatic with them? Yeah. If you, if you do it often enough, absolutely. So now I can just look at my kids and say, I need you to think. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just think. Just pause and think. Or if I can see one of my children had said something kind of unkind to the other, I pause both of them. And I look at the other one who wants to like kind of go back and be like, well, you can be mad without being mean. We don't need to retaliate. We need to think. Think about what you're going to say before you say it. Is it true? Is it helpful? We go through it. Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? You can just say, don't say that to me. That hurts my feelings. You need to stop. So walking them through it. And it does become more of a habit. Anything you do repetitively, consistently, becomes a habit. It becomes their knee jerk. Rather than that knee jerk to be like, to jab back, it can be, hey, that wasn't cool. That's not kind. Don't talk to me that way. Mm-hmm. You can give them those, those words. Right, right. At the subconscious level, you're probably overriding that knee jerk and, and building yeah. a, a new... But it comes with a disclaimer. Like, are kids going to be perfect all the time? Are they going to be kind all the time? Absolutely not. My kids are not perfect. They are not kind 100% of the time. But they are kind more often than not. They are kind without being prompted more often than not. They are, it's becoming a habit. It's becoming their go-to. So I'm needing to regulate their behavior less. I'm less of a referee. Our home is calmer and more peaceful and it's just happier. And I can, I can be, just be there rather than having to constantly parent their relationship with each other. I see. Good. So you mentioned between your, your, um, your kids when one's not kind to the other. Mm-hmm. And what about other kids when they're not kind to your children? And- so this is really, really tricky because a lot of parents have written me saying, okay, my heart, my biggest concern is my, my child doesn't understand why I tell them to be kind and they are kind, but then other people aren't kind to them. It either hurts their feelings, they don't understand it. Well, if he's not going to be kind to me, how come I have to be kind back? So focusing in on the why, why we're kind, really helps kids with this part. So we're kind no matter how other people treat us. I don't have to be a doormat. I don't have to take it. I don't have to be friends with people that make us feel bad about ourselves. Every preschool teacher probably hates that I say this, but I don't make my kids be friends with everyone. They have to be friendly and they have to be kind, but forcing our kids to be friends kind of sets them up for unsafe relationships. With that said, they don't need to take abuse, mental, emotional, or physical abuse from unkind So I walk my kids through this. You can walk away. You can go somewhere else, physically go somewhere else. We talk about the difference between paddling and telling and getting help when you really need it. And kids who feel confident and are able to and get confidence from things like Kung Fu, I put my daughter in karate so that she could have some more confidence, to say, no, stop. You don't get to talk to me that way. So not all kids can do that based on their personality or their confidence level. They can always walk away. Go find kids that, that lift you up, that make you feel good, that are kind. But we have to walk them through it. And we talk about it a lot. We talk about kindness a lot, being a, what a good friend is, what a good friend does, what a good friend wouldn't say to you. If a friend says to you, I won't be your friend unless you do this, then they're not really being a kind friend. And you walk away because in our family, that's not how we do things. Right. walking them through this because they're not going to be able to handle it on their own. They're really not. And this stuff happens in like the kindergarten yard. Sure. Oh yeah. It yeah. happens shockingly young. 
<laughs> I know it does. I know it does. Yeah, you mentioned some may not have the the ability to just say stop or mm -hmm. or, or that. Yeah. That. Yeah, it's um, that's something that we we train a lot. We even with five year olds, we do a drill called a back off drill, mm. and we just have like somebody in, impersonating a bully coming mm. at them until they can put their hands up and yell loud and loud enough. Stop no, just no. training that in. Yeah, um, and not just kids. We my wife teaches a lot of women the same okay. the same drill. An important skill. <laughs> it it is and. Um, it takes a long time to break through that emotional barrier mm -hmm. to do it, but we find once a person does, mm -hmm. they're changed mm -hmm. forever. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's pretty yes. am amazing. Yeah. Um, tattling and telling, you said. Yes. What, what's the difference? Okay, so tattling is trying to get somebody in trouble. Okay. Um, telling is getting help when you need it. So I, teach, I taught my kids from a very, very young age, and this was more because they were the constant, the whining of you know, she did this, she did that, and I wanted to break it. Then I came to realize as I started diving into kindness is that it actually is really powerful for other reasons. So we want our kids to get help. We want our kids to know that help is available to them if they're experiencing a situation that is above their ability to handle it. So when my daughter was bullied, she didn't want to get her bullies in trouble. She didn't come tell me. And I was writing about bullying, and I was writing about these connections with my kids, and I was pouring into her, and it still happened. So I needed to then, I realized I needed to focus more on, you can always tell me, and she was afraid of what I was going to do. She knew I was going to get really, really upset. And so I started to learn to bottle my emotions a little bit more and keep more of an even tone when she was telling me these big things, and then kind of go mama bear later. So, um, but tattling is um, just trying to get someone in trouble. So I tell my kids, come and tell me if someone is hurt or if someone is about to get hurt. So, and that's emotionally hurt and that's physically hurt. And then when they come to me, I often say to them, go and if it's a situation that is safe for them to do so, I say, go tell, go tell that person, say, stop. I give them the words, tell them, no, I don't like it. Tell them, this is my toy. You can have it when I'm done. Give them the words that they need so that they have, they're starting to build up their toolbox of language that they have to be able to interact with people in, in positive ways without needing to come to me every single time. With that said though, there are some times when they do need to come get an adult. They have to come get an adult because it's not appropriate for them to take care of it on their own. So teaching right. the difference is really valuable. It's certainly, certainly good. So you've given us a lot of examples, but are there other ways of, that you get your kids to be kind just more often? Um, yeah, <laughs> we work on it all the time around here. So we have a lot of fun challenges. We have a different one for every single holiday. We have a countdown calendars to Christmas and Hanukkah. We have letters that we write to service men and women and veterans. We do lots of fun little activities. I have a fidget spinner kindness activity and tic-tac-toe kindness. The one that I use for my kids, and it's actually um, a free resource on my website, and anybody's welcome to it, and it's the um, Ice Cream Sibling Kindness Challenge. So I was looking for a way, my eldest was sometimes forgetting to be kind to her siblings. And I want my kids to be kind to everyone, and that's important, but the biggest impact is going to be our own home. So I really wanted to focus on creating a kinder home, and I want my eldest to be kinder to her siblings. And so every single time, it goes back to the positive reinforcement and the praise, and I had to, because she was really struggling with this, I had to kind of up up the rewards a little bit and then we can wean her off of it once it becomes a habit. But every time she was kind and I gave her a list of ideas, 
he got to color in an ice cream cone. And when she had 20 ice cream cones in, she got to take her siblings to ice cream. Now, my eldest daughter, based on her personality, he, the carrot versus the stick kind of a thing, she loves money. And so she was old enough and I could do this with her because I knew her personality so well. Every time I saw her be unkind, she owed the ice cream jar 50 cents. <laughs> money was really, that's her currency, literally and figuratively is her currency. Okay. So she owed the ice cream jar 50 cents. And that was money she was going to then have to use to pay for the ice cream. So if she was only unkind once, she put 50 cents in the jar and all the other ice cream cones had been colored in because of all the kindness she had done, I would pay the remaining balance at the ice cream parlor. Mm-hmm. She kept putting money in and was unkind, she'd have to pay for it with her own money. So I have to tell you, it was slowly starting to work. She was coloring in her ice cream cones. And I drop off my two youngest first at school, and she's in the back seat. And all of a sudden, I heard, good luck on your test today. Have a great day. <laughs> and I looked at her, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, just something simple as greeting siblings and saying goodbye. It was amazing. It was amazing. I'm like, that was so kind. Oh, my goodness. Just mentioning, because you knew that they were studying in the car ride over. And she's like, is that can I color in an ice cream? I'm like, yes, you can color in an ice cream cone. And so when she got to finally take her siblings to ice cream, the joy on her face, like ice cream makes everything better, but the joy on her face was so amazing because it's just, it allowed her to then share her kindness with them. And it's become more of a habit. And yes, she still needs reminders, of course. And every once in a while we have to bust out another uh, version of it and start, start, from the, start from the top and do it again. But I've been able to wean her off of it can I get you a cup of orange juice this morning? And she got out three cups rather than just one cup for herself. So it is happening more and more and I can regulate it less and less, which is amazing. She's thinking about people, other people a lot more. Yes. And more importantly, her siblings, she thinks about other people. That's usually, siblings are usually the last ones we tend to be kind to. Oh, true. On them and we kind of, they push our buttons and we have to share space and share parents and raising kind siblings is one of the hardest parts of raising our kids to be kind. Um, and there's tons of things we can be doing to raise kind kids. I wrote actually an ebook. Um, it's going on um, sale soon, but I wrote an ebook about raising kind siblings because there are so many things we can do. And the change in our home is, it's miraculous when they're kinder to each other. Right, right. We'll make sure to link to the resource you mentioned. Oh, and perfect. Yeah, I'm happy to give that to anybody. And all that. So yes. yeah, fantastic. So what mistakes do parents make when they're trying to Raise kind kids? Or, or the um, well, there's a few. One, thinking that you can talk about it one time and being done with it. It's got to be on repeat. So we can't ever tell our kids one time to, you know, pick up their dirty socks. Mm-hmm. Like, dirty socks right here on my floor. So we have to be relentlessly consistent. Constantly reinforcing, constantly talking about it. So making it, um, again, proving to them that it's, that it's um, valued in our homes. So talking about it often, becoming a broken record. So that is one. Um, another one would be um, trying to raise nice kids. So we talked about this. So raising kids and asking them to be nice to each other and teaching them the difference in the sense of focusing more on the kindness. So we're kind because it feels good to be kind. We're kind because it makes somebody else's day better. So I have another resource and I'd be happy to send you the link and it's a list of all five and more importantly, how to sidestep them and then something to try at the bottom of each so that you can quickly just avoid the mistakes altogether. Okay, fantastic. I'm happy to send that to you. Yeah, that'd be great. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll put those in the links. Perfect. Um, you've really given me quite an education in kindness. I'm going to be thinking about this a lot and 
incorporated into training in that. It's um, really quite a deep subject. It can be. And, you know, it's funny because it's so simple yeah. on paper. Okay, so be kind. So my kids' school, their elementary school, they're starting a kindness initiative, and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But basically, they're just taking, like, a little piece of it, and they just said, be kind. <coughs> Excuse me. They just said, be kind, and that's all they said. But kids need to know what kindness sounds like. They need to know what kindness feels like, what it looks like, what it doesn't look like. So what does it mean to be a good friend? So we talk about this with our kids in depth and really dive in and show them. And when we see kindness in the world, we use teachable moments. When we see kindness, call it out. When we see unkindness in a book, in a TV show, we call it out. We make it a thing. Great. So this, is, this has been uh, really fantastic. Is there anything else that you would like to mention about kindness, your website, your... And it's your Facebook group. Oh, yes. So we have a group of like-minded parents that believe that this is essential. It's called the Raising Kind Kids Movement. We're literally starting a movement because we know raising one kind kid can change the world. The ripple effects of kindness can can go on forever and can be unseen for years. So please come over and join us. There's actually a free resource in that group for kind sibling role-playing. Like if they're struggling over the last cookie or they're struggling over who gets to choose what show to watch. There's um, options that you can give them. So you can give them the words, give them the role-playing ideas, and that is completely free inside the group. So just know that there are other like-minded people if you find this to be essential like I do, like we do, and there are resources and we have them and you are welcome to them. Great, great. I I really agree with your philosophy that change happens at the individual level. It, yes. it just, just can't help but happen anywhere else. It has yes. to happen with yourself and, of course, then passing it down yeah. to our, our children. so much unkindness in the world on TV, with social media. We see things that are disturbing or just kind of hurt us to our core. And we can't change those things usually on a personal one-on-one level. I can't go out there and change what's happening. No. Um, but I can change what's happening in my home. I have complete control over that. And raising kids who then spread that kindness to others and raising kids who show their kindness and give their kindness freely to those around them, that will change the world. And if more of us are doing that, we can take it over. Kindness can be louder than the hate. It can happen quickly. It's an exponential function, right? Yes, it is. We just need more people. (laughs) Absolutely, very good. Hey, this has been a fantastic uh, conversation, so thank you very much. My absolute pleasure. I will talk about kindness forever. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure we're going to need to have you on here again when I have some more questions about kindness. I would be happy to. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Learning Success Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We also hope you have learned something useful, something that you can take back and improve your life with today. If you would like to say thank you, the best way for you to do that is to share this podcast with a friend. Help us help others along this journey. And if you haven't already, please rate and comment on the podcast. Every rating helps us and helps this podcast get out to more people. We appreciate it and we appreciate you. Thank you again and make today a great day. No one should have to live with a learning difficulty.